Hello everyone out there. This is John and Connie. Hi. Welcome to the John and Connie Show edition here on the Barncast Catholic for Rednecks YouTube and Podcast. And this here is my beautiful wife. And I asked Peg her to, I'm trying to get her on every Thursday, but it didn't work out because she works all the time. And so I finally got her here in her own office. And she's secretly behind the scenes working on my studio. And so at her office where she works, she wants to get our priest, yeah. Father Jerebek. He's a Yankee. He's a northerner. He's trying to fit in. But we're trying to get him out here to bless her workplace, which is no big deal if you live in Boston, New York City, Rome. Right. Or some place where you can't throw a matchstick without hitting a Catholic. We're here in Alabama. And down here in Alabama, there ain't no Catholics. And you might as well tell people you're a Islamic extremist when they ask you where to go to church. So, Connie, can you relate? You grew up Catholic. Yes. So, um, yeah. And I love being Catholic. You know, I'm a cradle Catholic. And, and it, was, um, it was great. But when I became a teenager, it was... It was challenging because there's such a stigma in the South attached to Catholicism. You know, what was it, chick tracks, all that that was handed out when we were kids that kind of um, really damaged the Catholic reputation amongst lay people and Protestants. So um, it was difficult when I was a teenager because um, as much as I love being Catholic, I came from a family that wasn't very devoted to their faith and so it was um you know finding teenagers that were protestants it just seemed to be the fit for me here in the south that's the all time. there is yeah it is there that really is all there is and do you so, remember growing up now your grand great grandparents came over here from sicily yes devout catholics formers yes. didn't they have a few uh visits from certain type of people that wear bed sheets? Yes, yes, they lived out in um, a county here in Alabama that was known for their KKK activity. And mm -hmm. the KKK, we all know, is very opposed to Catholics and Judaism and uh, minorities, folks. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I had a family. My great-grandparents lived out in this county and they were farmers, they had some land, they had eight children. My grandmother was the oldest of all their kids, and they had a barn across the street from their home and all their property that they farmed. And at that time, they actually had a black family approach them, and Papa let them. You know, he he said, "Yeah, you can live across the street." It wasn't really; it was a it was a barn actually. And the, this family moved in there, and at the time, they were very poor and very grateful to have that place to stay. And um, you know, it was just really, really sad to have crosses burned in the yard because you were, first of all, you were Italian in the South, mm -hmm. Catholic in the South, and then you were assisting and befriending a minority. Right. That was just unheard of. Well, uh, what was your great-grandfather's name? You don't remember your grand? Michael. Michael what? Yeah. What was his middle name? I don't remember off the top of my head. You're asking me. I thought yeah. it was Angelo. 
Yes, yes. Michelangelo, Michael the Archangel. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a brain she, I have to help her out, guys. Unmenopausal, so forgive she's me. She's pretending she's <laughs> Joe Biden today, and I'll get the teleprompter written next time. But So your great-grandparents were from Sicily. Yes. Came here, continued to practice her Catholic faith. Yeah. Now, did you have any, do you recall anything growing up as far as any of your friends or classmates or anybody uh, that ever said anything that bothered you about being Catholic? Or did you not pay attention? I didn't pay attention. Um, I really only had one friend who was Catholic. You know, well, well, actually there was a lot, there was a group of us that attended the same church for mass, but out in school, nobody talked about being Catholic. And I mm -hmm. remember when I was a teenager in junior high school, going away to um, Sacred Heart Academy up there in Coleman for the retreat prior to being, um, going through. Um, Confirmation. Thank you, yes. And it was like some of the coolest kids in school were, were part of that group, but you would never know it in, you know, in class because they never talked about their faith or their religion. They never talked about their religion. And so, it was really, uh, it was a fun time. <laughs> I've had more than one Catholic since I've become Catholic, because I interview people. I've had a lot of Catholics, your age, our age, that have told me they were taught to keep their head down and their mouth shut about their religion. It's very sad. Yeah, it is. Uh, president Kennedy was Catholic, first Catholic president, in my opinion. Yeah. We haven't had a Catholic president since. I don't right. consider the one in office now to be Catholic. He don't practice the faith. But, um, you know, that was a big issue in him running because they thought he'd be taking orders from Rome. Did, uh, did you, you didn't go through any, anything because you kind of just kept your head down? Yeah, pretty much. Or you yeah. just a teenager? I was a teenager. Yeah. I didn't have a whole lot of, I wasn't, um, I wasn't an influencer, so to speak. I wasn't, you know, so there was no, no one really bothered with me. Yeah. Um, and then my best friend, her family was from Natchitoches, Louisiana, and they were raised Catholic. The family was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. All of them were. But then they also started attending a Protestant church. So it was, you know, it was kind of easy to do that. And my grandmother, who was the oldest of all the kids from Mama and Papa that came from Sicily, and Cherry, and Marie Cherry, she actually, Anna Marie. yeah, she what actually, beautiful names in your family. I know, but and so she was actually, you know, um, the most grandma was so wonderful and selfless. And I think I only heard her cuss one time, and she would never criticize somebody. Is a cuss word? Yeah, I heard her say it about eight times a day. Yeah, but no, no, no. so she did care about that. But um, definitely, Grandma was. Um, she would never say anything bad. If I left the Catholic Church, she she would not have said anything to me, and didn't. As far as I can remember, and I'm getting old. I know everybody thinks I'm about thirty, but I turned sixty last week. But as far as I can remember, you're the first Catholic I've ever met in my life. Really? Yeah. As far as I can remember. That's bad, isn't it? Well, I mean, living that's in Alabama. How sparse we are here down here in the well, south. The last yeah. time I Googled it, it was fluctuating between Alabama being 
96 to 98 percent non-Catholic. Huh. Yeah, that's a lot. It's not. It's the bad thing is that that is that it's not that it's a non-Catholic state is the stigma. Yeah. Which I don't know what that word means to you, but around here, it's hard. If I say the word Catholic, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Pervert. Yeah, uh, yeah. You think of a priest. priest accusations. But right here in Alabama, every single week, every week, a Protestant minister gets arrested. Because men are men, people are people. It doesn't people. That's the whole reason for the redemptive work of Christ. You have to have. We are all the same. Without our special titles, robes, and garb, and religious, we're all the same. My point is that it's, it's not news. If a Baptist minister, and we know one, got busted right. about a month ago, we saw him preach. <laughs> uh, the next week, Closely. find out he's uh, getting locked up for having SEX with a minor. Yeah. And when I say minor, I'm talking about they ain't out of their diapers yet. But it's no big deal, but you let a priest Get in trouble for some news. Do you know why? That right there gives you the um, is yeah. proof enough that the Catholic Church stands in authority because that's yeah. who everyone yeah. attacks when something happens. Okay, um, so you went thirty years without. Once you met me, I ruined you. I drug you down, and uh, we got out of church for a long time, probably until our oldest son, I mean our youngest son, was yeah. born. Then we started going to church regular, but. Now you're Catholic and all. You're about to decorate your new office and have your priest, pastor, come and bless it. How does that make you feel? Nerve-wracked. Why are you nerve-wracked? Because I'm in leadership and most of the people that are in my office are, well, all of them are Protestants, Mm -hmm. you know, and... Here in the South, you've got that stigma attached to being Catholic. And so that makes it a challenge because you don't want to be offensive to anybody at well, all. People people here find it okay like, to be offensive. They'll say, oh, I used to be Catholic. Now I'm a Christian. Yes. Like, for instance, we had that white mass back in the, at the end of the summer, beginning mm-hmm. of fall. White Mass, which is to celebrate healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Well, I came to work and I said, "We got a White Mass Sunday." You and know I was, what that sounds like around here. And immediately, I saw the facial expressions on these people, and I was like, "I, I know that sounds weird, but mm-hmm. it's really not anything weird. It's to celebrate, you know, healthcare." We had the Blue Mass mm-hmm. for the police for the officers. Police. Yeah, so it's just anything. It's you know, first of all, to me, obviously, Catholicism. Obviously, the Catholic faith is the faith. It is the one church that Jesus founded. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Otherwise, the devil would not be trying to pervert mass. Mm -hmm. He doesn't try to pervert Protestant sex. It's mass Mm -hmm. and communion and the crucifix, upside down crucifixes. Trying to destroy. Yes. And so because of that stigma, it's, it's made it difficult to want not to want to share your faith, because we mm-hmm. do, but to get people to think outside the box for right. a second, to actually step outside what they've seen in Hollywood, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and just for one second, think about it. The Catholic faith, we, our Mass, 
every single day across the entire world is exactly the same. We're on the same page. We read the same scriptures. The preacher's preaching the same stuff. His, his sermon might be very a little bit, but across the board, we're doing the same thing. That is the one church that Jesus established. All these sects out there, while well-meaning, they, they are not a part of that one faith that was established at the foot of the cross. You know, I, so it, it's definitely, um, if you look at it from that perspective and you say, well, let me really think for a second. How far can I trace back my faith? When did my denomination start and who started it? But if you look back at the Catholic faith, we can go all the way back St. Peter. From Peter on to today, we know exactly who was the head of our church. We know exactly who it was. And it was established by Jesus. Jesus said, here, I hand you the keys, the authority to do this to Peter. So when you look at that, and then you look at all the other things, like who, who actually canonized the Bible and what happened before the canonization of the Bible? What were, what were they doing before that? They were, they were following the traditions from the disciples. They had been passed down. So it, it's just so important for us to be able to remove for just one second, clear your mind and think for yourself and don't just follow after what your family's always taught, what, you know, just think about it logically. And it makes the most sense to me more than anything. That's very good. I could listen to you talk all day. You know, um, you brought up Mass this morning. We had our bishop. Yeah. He was there and preached at the Mass. And I was looking at him and thinking, he is a direct descendant of the Apostle That's Peter. Amazing. I know, I know. It's amazing. Who was put in charge of church. And you can trace his ordination all the way back there's a paper trail all the way to Rome. I don't understand it. It's overwhelming. It is when you're sitting there in a cathedral, a, a glorious cathedral. Looking, I was looking at, I was looking at the um, at the uh, stained glass windows. I was looking at the crucifix at Jesus hanging there. I was looking at the the altar, the candles, the lamb that is engraved in that granite altar right there. And the, the seat of the bishop and him getting up there with his staff. And while they were reading the word of God, he was leaning on his staff. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, it just inspires so much thought about who God is and how big he is. He's so much bigger. And, and it's almost doing a disservice to us as his children to think that he can be, he can be everywhere and anywhere, but to think that we would, not want to give him the very biggest and best and, you know, have the brightest architects create mm -hmm. the most awesome spirals and everything to glorify him. Isn't it interesting that when you read about how God told his people to worship him, yes, he put in priest and he gave exact word for word yes. decorations of the decor. About that, it's yeah. important. The aesthetics are important because he said the Bible says God, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. But God knows that what attracts a man is the outward things 
to worship. I, it does. All the pageantry, all the people, the procession, the incense, the crucifix being carried, communion, the kneeling, the bowing. I mean, all of that is very important to us as human beings. We should be doing that. Yes, absolutely. You know, in the comment section on my YouTube channel, every time I post a video of our mass or the priests and them walking down, they always leave dumb, they're really, they're dumb comments full of ignorance because they'll say, where's that in the Bible? And I'm thinking, have you never read? <laughs> the Old Testament? The Old Testament? <laughs> have you never read about the Jericho, marching around Jericho? Did you not hear about Jesus riding in with the palms and I the, the uh it's all about worshiping the king. Have you ever read the book of Revelation a single time with your brain turned on it's, and seen the lampsticks, the, uh, the altar, the, the priestly robes, the saints, the angels? Do they not see these things? And to think, I was sitting there in Mass today, and after we got finished, I sat back down for a minute, and you, you thought something was wrong with me. But I was just thinking about, when I think about the Mass that's going on, and that there's no division in time, that it's timeless. You know, it's like when when communion is happening and the transubstantiation and the ele ordinary elements are being transformed from bread and wine into body and blood of... Literally. <laughs> literally of Jesus. And we're watching it. And it's, I mean, it makes me want to cry because it's just so overwhelming. And to yeah. think that all heaven stands as witness. Do you know why? At because that moment. It's the same. It's the same sacrifice. sacrifice. We are transported somehow. Yeah. Through past time, through some portal. And we're there. That is Jesus. He's not being redone. Yeah. We're there. That is the one sacrifice for sins, and we become joined with it. Yes. We offer our sufferings with it. I, I just think it's beautiful. It is amazing. And something I try to do when I go to Mass, I have to remind myself is to pretend it's my very first one yeah. and to think it might be my last one. Our culture is fixated on uh, being entertained. You know, we all are. We all have become addicted to our phones, to movies, to television, to the radio, music, all of it. We are so addicted to being entertained. And I look at the Mass and I think that is the most profound, it's not entertainment, but the most profound witness and testimony of what transpires every single Mass. Every single Mass is a reputation of, repetition of the crucifixion at Calvary. It's the same thing. It's timeless. Actually, mm -hmm. it's not a repetition. It is the sacrifice. Yeah, we it repeatedly go back into Absolutely. that portal. The yeah. Mass, the Catholic Mass, is a portal. Who would, who could not be in, at least to have their interest, you know, picked a little bit to investigate into something so mystical with so mm -hmm. many different kinds of uh, rites. I mean, my gosh, you could study the you know Catholic faith forever yeah. and never know all of there is about it, about the saints, their lives, about the different rites and sex, and the to have the you know different. There's different 
uh, cloisters of nuns and why are they doing what they're doing? And you've got all these different people that are doing different things for the Lord because they're called to do that specific thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's outstanding. I mean, who would not want to know that? It's, it's beyond. It is. Yeah. Today at Mass, we had uh, two different groups of nuns. In front of us. <laughs> yeah. And a group of friars or yeah. brothers, monks, whatever you want to call them. And one group's got on brown, the other one's got on another color because they're different fraternities, sororities, so to speak. I'm just using yeah. those terms. They have different callings. You know, they're one's called to do, they've got to focus on a certain thing. You asked me about the dudes, the young dudes in the in those brown, were they brown robes? Yeah. And if you notice, they carry something with them. But you asked me who they were, and I think they were called the uh, poor little friends of Jesus. I think it's from Puerto Rico, I think, or some country. I noticed country. the robe was different looking than like um, Father Leonard's. Yeah, Father Leonard's a Franciscan. His looked more, Father Leonard's looks more picked, like it's uncomfortable to it wear. Looks like a hood. It is uncomfortable because <laughs> that thing itches like hell. It and looks I've been, like it. <laughs> Father Leonard used to hang out with me on night shift and he'd be scratching like a dog. Bless his heart. Yeah, and all. But bless his heart. So um, those guys live in... Why do they do that? It's a penance. For what? It's joining yourself. It's reminding you of the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, it's like when they try to put elevators in for the nuns. Yeah. Uh, she said, it. no. And those nuns have broke... Their knees are so pitiful from all the years of kneeling. You can see some of those old nuns. They do... It's painful to kneel, and they do it anyway. Hey, at Catholic Church, you look at all them elderly people. They're on their we knees. We kneel, I mean, they're getting a nice Even senior Even our deacon, citizen. I noticed today, mm -hmm. I watched him get down on his knees, and it took him a full 30 seconds Takes me a while. to get down there in position. I felt so bad for him. But they look at, you're right, they look at it as a penance, a part of what they can do to be a part of the suffering of Christ. Yeah, join your sufferings yeah. and humbling yourself. It is humbling. It is humbling. Oh, uh, yeah, I know uh, Father Jeremy, you know, he's got, I tell people, if you don't know your pastor's name, and if your pastor don't know your name, that is not your pastor. Yeah. The pastor is someone that knows who you are, and he's the one you call if somebody gets bad, sick, or dies. Yeah. And if you're going to a church, that, that's not your pastor, you're not in the right, somebody said, how do I know if I'm in the right church? Well, is that man up there? Is he your pastor? What did the priest? shepherds do with the sheep? Calls them by name. Knows each and by name. And they slept out with them to watch them and protect them from wolves. They yeah. were they were out there. They were amongst their sheep. Yeah. And that's what your pastor should know. You know, these people call redneck center me and ask me to do stuff for them. That they're, I said, where do you go to church? And they'll tell me. And I'll say, oh, well, why has it your pastor? They said, our church is too big. We'll get the hell out of your too big church. Yeah. When we were out in Africa, I remember seeing those little flocks of sheep and those baby lambs that were so precious with their mamas. And you'd have a teenage boy out there in his, you know, with his stick. And he mm -hmm. was the shepherd of that little flock of sheep. Yeah. And he stayed with them all yeah. the time. They're not ranchers with herds. Mm-mm. They're shepherds with flocks. And they weren't flocks like, you know, they weren't yeah. enormous flocks. They were manageable because yeah. they, he needed to know 
the number of head he had, who they were, where they were, so he could go retrieve anybody that was lost. You know, there's a lot of positions in the non-Catholic churches that don't exist in the Bible, yet they're always telling us stuff we don't do in the Bible. We got bishops and priests. Yeah. But, oh, uh, you know, you associate pastor, youth pastor, children, none of that's in the Bible. We should be following the priests. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, um, my phone's starting to blow up with some texts and emails. I am a uh -oh. realtor. It is Sunday <laughs> afternoon. But, Connie, I'm so glad everybody got to meet you face-to-face -face on the YouTube and to hear your voice on the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. Okay, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.